the following is a teaching from Church of the Redeemer. We pray that you will be blessed by this teaching. Our theme verse for this series together is Psalm chapter 127, verse number one. It says this, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build. As you can't build a house without God. We need God's help in building our houses. Amen. We need God's help and we need his keeping power for us as well. Now, this word house that we see here in this particular verse is a word that's used quite a bit throughout Scripture, both in the Old Testament and the New. In fact, in the NIV, you will find the word house over 900 times in the Bible. Think about that. There are only 66 books in the Bible, but this word house shows up over 900 times in the 66 books of Scripture. That means it's a very important concept. So what does the word house really mean? The word house, both in Hebrew and the Hebrew Old Testament and in the Greek and Aramaic New Testament, represents at least four things. Number one, the house represents you. You are a house. God is building you. Your life is a house. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Second of all, your family is a house. That is, that family that you're building as a husband and wife with your kids or whatever family might be represented to you, that is the house that God is building. Thirdly, it is the work that you do, that you go to a place generally every day or engage in some kind of work, and that work is the work of your hands or a house that you're building. And then fourthly, it represents the service that you bring to God and the service that you give for God, your ministry to God. All of this represents the house of God. God. So four things, you, your family, your work, and your ministry. These are the four dimensions of house in scripture. I'm going to talk this weekend about, as I said, how do we build some protective barriers around these four dimensions of our life to make sure that that God is in operation. Last weekend, we talked about how to make your house God's house, your home God's home. So how do we add to that the protective dimension to this? I'm going to share some things this weekend that really are centering around the word housekeeping. Would you say that word with me? Housekeeping. So we're going to learn something this weekend about how to keep house spiritually. It's extremely important that if you're going to have a good house, you have to, have, you have to be a good housekeeper. You can't have a good house long term without being a good housekeeper. So there are two things I want to talk to you about for just a few moments this weekend that will help us to do that. Number one, we must understand that there is an enemy that seeks to invade your house. There's an enemy that is trying to get into your house and mess with your house and mess up your house. And as surely as the Lord wants to build and bless your house, the devil wants to destroy it. It's very clear in Scripture that there is an invisible, dark presence that is determined to destroy your house. As much as God wants to build it, the devil wants to destroy it because Satan is a destroyer. And everything that Satan gains access to or everything that Satan gains influence over, he always tears apart. Satan never builds. Satan always tears apart. Satan never constructs, he always deconstructs, he always destroys. And this destruction can come in many different degrees, in many different ways, but he's always a destroyer. Let me give you some verses that will remind you of this important truth. John chapter 10, verse 10. We talked quite a bit about this in a series we did not too long ago, talking about the importance of overcoming the adversary, living the more life that Jesus has for us. John 10, verse 10 says, the thief, that's the devil, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come, Jesus said, that they may have life and have it to the full. So the devil is described here as a thief, as a murderer, and as a destroyer. 
Go down with me to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to, what's that next word there? To devour. The Greek word for devour there means to swallow up. It means to overwhelm or to drown as though you were drowning in water. So the devil wants to drown your life, swallow you up, devour you in some way. And then in Revelation chapter 9 verse 11, the scripture refers to Satan in these terms. Their king is the angel from the bottomless pit. His name is in Greek Apollyon or the destroyer. He's known as the destroyer. Now Jesus was very clear about the devil's agenda. In Matthew chapter 24, I'm going to take you to verse 43 in just a moment, but before I do, let me set a little bit of the context of Matthew 24. Matthew 24, Jesus is talking quite a bit about his second coming. And in the context of talking about his second coming, he inserts a very important principle that I'm extrapolating tonight for the application to our lives when it comes to house without doing any violation, I believe, to the teaching of Jesus at all. And this, this principle is found in verse 43 of Matthew 24. Jesus' words here, but understand this, if the owner of the house, so he's now talking about the house, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. Now, of course, Jesus is talking about the fact that he's going to come as a thief in the night, that Jesus, when he comes back again, we need to be on watch for him. But let's flip this around to the application of the adversary and well, as well, just as surely as we need to be watching for Jesus to come back again and to welcome his presence and to be prepared for his coming, we need to be on watch against the adversary trying to find his way into our house as well. Amen? It's not just a matter of watching for Jesus, it's also a matter of watching out against the adversary. Because just like Jesus is coming, there's an enemy that wants to sneak in and notice the Bible says that he wants to break into that house. Actually, that word there or that phrase, break into or broken into, is a phrase that, that implies the digging away at. Because back in the Old Te- or the New Testament time, as well as Old Testament time and antiquity, we know that most houses, you'll find this in fact in developing countries even today, that houses oftentimes are built out of mud or built out of clay. And so what a thief would do is that over a period of time, the thief would find a way just to sort of little by little dig his way through the mud and through the clay in a way that is surreptitious so that the owner of the house doesn't initially recognize it until there's a breakthrough and a break in. And that's the way the devil works in your life. He doesn't show up in a red suit with a pitchfork and say, hey, I'm the devil, I'm here to destroy your life. I'm here to destroy your family. No, little by little, he tries to gain access and dig away at the house that you have, whether it's your life or your family or the work that you do or the work that you do for God. There's this digging at and digging away surreptitiously so that finally he can make a break in and a stealing of something away from you. So your house is consistently being cased and attacked by the adversary. To build a strong house, you and I need to become discerning. You need to recognize when the devil's digging around your house. Amen? You've got to recognize this stuff. You and I have to become skilled at recognizing when the devil is digging around at our house. I'm going to give you some clues. I think it's always good if you want to be a good detective to have some clues, right? I'm going to give you some clues that can give you some indication when the devil is trying to dig around at your house. You think this might help you? These are not on your notes, but you can maybe find some white space there on your notes to write some of these down. And 
reflect on them. Anytime that there is continual strife in your home, an atmosphere of strife and anger and contention, who is at the core of strife, division, and contention? Satan. Satan is the divider. See, God is the unifier. Satan is the divider. And so if there's an atmosphere of strife in your family, that means that the adversary has found a way to kind of stir that stuff up and keep it stirred up. And that's not to say that there are not times in all of our interactions and relationships that we have strife and contention just because we're different people trying to get along with one another. But I'm talking about this, this evil, malicious atmosphere of contention and strife and, con- and contempt that oftentimes uh, really characterizes our homes, our lives, our families. I'll tell you a second way that you can recognize the enemy. When he shows up in your, in your life, he always, he always traffics in despair and discouragement. He never, the devil never encourages you. The devil always discourages you. The devil always makes you feel like there's no hope for your life, there's no hope for your marriage, there's no hope for your family, there's no hope for your job, there's no hope for whatever. You fill in the blank there, but anytime you begin to have that sense of hopelessness in your life, you need to know that hopelessness does not come from God. Hope comes from God. And so when this hopelessness settles in, that's a trafficking, it is a digging away in the foundation of your life by the adversary. Anytime that there's a weakening of your biblical convictions and your biblical commitments, when you see that you start drifting from God, guess who's behind that? Anytime you're drifting in your relationship with God, you're drifting from your commitments to church, your commitments to your Bible reading or Bible study or prayer or fellowship with other Christians, God is not behind that. That's the adversary trying to pull you away and weaken the foundation of your life. Persistent bad attitudes in your life is an indication of something going on spiritually. And I will tell you something else. The persistent draining of your resources can be an indication that the adversary is trying to dig away at your life, just to drain away the resources. It might be your energy, it might be your finances, it might be other aspects of your life, but there's this draining away of resources. These are all indications, not all of them. Uh, I'm certainly not exhaustive in my list this evening, but these are some of the ways that you can look around and say, you know what, I I think the devil is trying to get a hold of our family in some way. I think the devil's trying to get in my house. When you see these kind of things, it gives you indication of them. And so you can't keep house until you know what needs to be kept. Right? You can't keep house unless you know what housekeeping is all about. You've got to be able to recognize where the dirt is. You'll never clean up dirt if you don't realize where the dirt is. And so it all starts with understanding that there's an enemy that's trying to invade, dig away, and create dirt in your house, your life, your family, your work, and your ministry. The second thing that we want to talk about this weekend is that enforcement and eviction are essential parts of spiritual housekeeping. Enforcement and eviction are essential parts of spiritual housekeeping. To keep a house, a spiritual house, you have to do what I'm going to call regular enforcement and eviction of the enemy's encroachment. You have to do regular housekeeping. Um, If you've ever lived in a house, for example, where there's the potential of, of mice getting in. How many of you had mice trouble in your house before? Just raise your hand, okay? About half of you here, okay? The other half of you don't know what you're missing, I'm telling you. It's amazing, okay? <laughs> but mice are pesky, aren't they? I mean, you think that you've got everything shut up, and they can get through the smallest little hole. I mean, you've got to shut everything. And mice let you know that they've been there, don't they? Right? How do you know that mice have been in your house? Don't answer that question, okay? 
They leave you a sign. They let you know, I've been here. This is my territory. I'm doing my thing here. So mice kind of work through your drawers and your closets and so forth. And they let you know you're, that they're there, but they never let you see them. All you see is the remnants that they've been around, okay? And so part of dealing with mice in your house is once you recognize it, you have to have an effective strategy to say, you know what, we need to evict these things from our house. They are not going to live here any longer. I'm serving notice on these mice that mice cannot live with me. I am not going to pay their rent any longer. I'm not going to feed them any longer, not going to pay their rent any longer, not going to give them warmth and shelter any longer. We're going to find some way to evict these creatures from our house. Amen? Okay. So you're serving notice. The way you serve notice is that you put out, you put out bait, you put out mice traps, whatever you do that helps you deal with, you get an exterminator to come in, whatever the case might be, but you serve those little creatures notice that you know what, you can't live here any longer. We are evicting you. This is not your house, this is my house. And I'm going to set the boundaries of who can participate in this environment called my house. Now, let's bring this into the spiritual realm. When the enemy has cut away and dug away at your house, and he's always trying to do this, he's always trying to get in in some way. He gets in in little ways, he gets in in big ways, but when the devil gets into your house and you recognize it, what should you do? What should be your next response? Not, well, I guess there's nothing I can do about it. No, there needs to be something that rises up in you and me that says, we're not going to allow this trafficking of the adversary in this house because this house is God's house. I've decided that this house, my house, is going to be God's house, and so there's some eviction that's going to happen. I'm going to drive and enforce the victory of Jesus Christ against the adversary. We're going to drive some stuff out of our house. Thank you for like three amens and an oh me, okay? But this is important because this is part of your spiritual life. I will tell you that the devil will run all over you if you allow him to. If you just sit back in your normal house and you give your house over to mice, they will take over, okay? It's just a matter of time before they'll be everywhere. And so there's a point that you have to rise up and say, I'm not going to let this happen in my house. And so you need to retake the territory. Everybody say that with me. You need to retake the territory, okay? That whatever territory that you've given to the adversary or that he's dug away at in your life, in your house, you need to retake it. And the good news is that in Jesus Christ, you can retake the territory. That he gives you the capacity, the power by his grace and mercy and by the working of the Holy Spirit and by the power of the word of God and the blood of the cross to actually retake territory. And I'm going to share with you uh, this weekend five actions that you can take in your spiritual journey, in your, in your house that will help you drive the spiritual mice from your home. Amen? You ready for this? Okay. Five things that are necessary. You will never drive the spiritual mice, the spiritual encroachments from your life without doing these five things. Number one is the word repent. Write it down, repent. Repentance, that's all positive change in your life always starts with repentance. I'm going to say that again. 
All positive change that will ever happen in your life, it always starts with this word called repentance. You have to repent. What is repent? To repent means this. It means that I recognize that I'm going or have gone or have allowed something to go in the wrong direction. And so I'm going to actually, I'm going this way, but I'm going to repent. That means I'm going to do a 180. I'm going to turn and now go in God's direction. And that's the primary first thing that turns everything around. For example, if the adversary has invaded your house with a lot of strife and contention and anger and all this kind of stuff that is boiling over and perpetuating itself and and filling your house with an atmosphere of contempt, there's this moment that says, you know what, I don't want this to be who I am. I don't want this to be the characteristic of my house. God, I am sorry for this, and now I'm turning away from this, and I'm turning to do life your way. And so anytime that you and I repent, notice this, when you repent, you always prepare the way for God. When you say, I don't want to live this way anymore, I'm turning toward God, turning away from this this way of life toward God, anytime you repent, you prepare your life for God. God shows up in the lives of people who repent. And by the way, repentance is not a big emotional thing. It can be emotional, but repentance is not about shedding a bunch of tears. I've seen people cry about things that that you thought they felt sorry for, but then turn around and go do exactly the same thing again. Real repentance is about a change. It's a change of your thinking that leads to a change in your behavior that leads to a, a, a welcoming of God into your circumstance. Notice what the scripture says in Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Would you read this together with me? All of our campuses, aloud and loudly. Here we go. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Do you see that repentance leads to refreshing? How many like to have a fresher house? Would you? Okay. About half a dozen of you. Okay, that's awesome. Okay. To have a fresher house, you have to have the freshness of God's presence. And the Bible says that when you and I repent, it leads to the refreshing of the presence of God. And so repentance is the recognition, the acknowledgement, and the commitment to change, to turn our life in God's direction. The second word to write down is the word rebuke. You repent and then you rebuke. To rebuke means that you actually serve notice. The word rebuke uh, literally means to turn back, to keep down, or to check. And what you and I have to do is we have to, if we're going to set a protective boundary in our house and do good housekeeping, is we have to take a stand against the darkness that has infiltrated our house and ask Jesus to take over and rebuke those works of darkness. To rebuke means again to check. And every time Jesus rebukes something, change happens. Study the the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Every time that Jesus rebuked a demon, what happened? The demon fled. There's not a single case that you'll see Jesus confronting a demon where the demon remained. Anytime Jesus confronted a demon with his authority, in his authority, and in his word, there was always a deliverance that transpired. So Jesus speaks the word against the adversary in rebuke, and the Bible says that the enemy always flees. There's always a change. Jesus is in the business of expelling and evicting demons. Okay? That's what Jesus does. When Jesus comes on the scene in your house, 
What he wants to do, if you'll stand with him in authority, is that Jesus wants to expel and evict every dark presence from your, your house. Notice Matthew 17, verse 18. Jesus rebuked the demon. So what did Jesus do? His action was to do what? Say it with me. He was engaged in rebuking. Jesus rebuked the demon, and what happened? It came out of the boy, and he was healed from that moment. So notice what I want you to see there is that when Jesus spoke the word of rebuke, there was a deliverance that happened. Things changed for the better. Mark chapter 4, verse 39. He, Jesus, got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. So here's Jesus on the Sea of Galilee. There's a storm that comes up. Jesus realizes there's darkness behind the storm. He rebukes the wind and the waves. He speaks against them. He checks them. He calls them into account, calls them to change, and then there's this moment where what had been a storm turns into a calm. So a rebuke of Jesus in against the adversary in your house will always make a difference. But it starts with repentance. Jesus is not going to rebuke something that you're still comfortable living in. Okay? If you're still comfortable trafficking in, trafficking in something yourself, Jesus is not going to step up and rebuke what you're willing to continue to live in. So this repentance says, I don't want to live this way anymore. God, I'm turning toward you. Now, Jesus, I realize that I've let some spiritual mice into my house. I don't want these folks to be, these little things to be here any longer. So, Lord, I'm asking in your name and standing with you that there would be a rebuke against every force of darkness. Now, dear one, listen to this. You have no authority in and of yourself to rebuke anything. The only power that comes against the forces of darkness is the authority of Jesus, but the good news is you can stand in that authority because you are one of Jesus' followers. You belong to Him, and because of that, you get to stand in the authority of Christ that He won for you in victory at Calvary and in His resurrection. So you stand in rebuke, okay? Now, this is important, folks. How many of you want your house to be better, okay? We're talking about spiritual housekeeping, just like you keep up your house at home naturally. You better keep up your house spiritually, okay? So repentance, and then the second word was rebuke. The third word is the word resist. Say that with me, resist. So repent, rebuke, and resist. Resistance is an ongoing activity. To resist is to set yourself to fight against something. That's the whole idea of resistance. Resistance says, okay, I'm going to be in a mode of standing against so that I can prevent any further activity of this particular enemy. Now, notice the sequence here. Where does it start? What was the first word I gave you? Repentance. Why? Because if I don't turn from things, if I'm going against God's will and God's ways, if I don't turn toward God, I'm not in a position to receive the refreshing of God and the power of God. But when I do, I'm preparing myself for God to show up on the scene. And then now I stand with Jesus in a rebuke against anything I've allowed into my life. And then now once I'm driving this thing out in the powerful name of Jesus, then there's this moment that I say, now living going forward, I'm going to live in an atmosphere of resistance. Because I'll tell you something about the adversary. Don't think that if you just chase him out one time, don't think he'll never try to come back again. He's like a bad relative, okay? <laughs> Keep showing back up at the house again. You chase him out one time, three months later, he's back and knocking at the door again, okay? And that's the way the enemy is. Don't you think that just because you chased him out today, he's not going to show back up again tomorrow, okay? 
And so you have to develop a position of resistance against darkness so that you're praying protection. You're praying against the infiltration of the adversary. Notice what the scripture says about this. James chapter 4 verse 7. Why don't we read this one together loud and loudly. Here we go. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Circle the word resist. Resist the devil. That word, I've talked about this word before. I want to bring it back to your attention again today. That word resist is where we actually get our English word antihistamine. This is the Greek word for antihistamine. And I don't know all the medical aspects of histamines, but what I do know is that an antihistamine works in some way against the histamines of allergies, the things that we respond to in our body and provide some kind of coating upon those receptors so that what the histamines would cause to be an allergic reaction, there's an anti, there's a resistance to that so that you're not sniffling and you're not coughing, your eyes are not swelling up, Well, that's the antihistamine effect. So there's a resistance against the histamine, if you will. Now, Jesus, or James used this word about resisting the adversary, that we take a stand that prevents the continual infiltration of darkness. So that we are actually saying we're living a resistance life. We're recognizing the trafficking of darkness. We're saying we're not going to allow it here any longer. Notice Ephesians 6 verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. So there again you see that strength of standing strong in God. Number four, the fourth word I want to give you is reinforce. So let's walk walk through them again. So spiritual housekeeping involves, first of all, what's the word? Repentance. Number two is rebuke. Number three is resist. Number four is reinforce. What does it mean to reinforce? If you're in battle, you need reinforcements, don't you? If you try to fight a battle that's, that's an aggressive battle for too long by yourself, you're in trouble. And so you need to be strengthened and you need reinforcements. To reinforce is to strengthen primarily with adding resources. It's the idea. Adding strength, adding resources. Matthew 18, verse 19. Again, truly I tell you, these are the words of Jesus, that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Notice this, that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done by my, for them by my Father in heaven. What I want you to see in that verse, among other things, you all, I want you to see the principle of reinforcement. I want to share two things with you about reinforcement. When you, to, to reinforce your life is to make it stronger. Okay? And that's why if you're going to keep spiritual house long term, if your house is going to be God's house long term, you need to be reinforced. Okay? Because you can't do this in, in, a, in a position of weakness. And reinforcement really means, first of all, that you're growing stronger yourself. That's why your spiritual growth is so very important. That's why it's important that you are studying God's Word. That's why it's so valuable that you're in God's house as you are this weekend. It's so valuable when you get into a life group or get into a life studies course and you're learning God's Word and how to apply it in your life. Anytime you get stronger in your life, then that strength gives you capacity to withstand greater attacks of the adversary. So you're stronger in your spiritual journey. But reinforcement also involves connection with other people. You know what? It's always better to fight with a buddy, amen? It's always better to fight when you've got some friends around you, to fight with people that are fighting with you in the same perspective. 
And that's why church life is so important. That's why having a prayer partner in your life is so important. That's why learning to pray not just alone, but praying with other people provides that additional reinforcement. That's why, uh, for example, in your family, husbands and wives, let me encourage you, pray together. And I know there's some situations that just because of the spiritual condition of one of the spouses, that's not possible. But let me encourage you as a Christian husband and wife to learn how to pray together. That's so powerful. It's hard to do. It's hard to get into that sequence of doing. But once you, get, once you learn to pray together, it's very powerful in standing against the adversary. So it's the reinforcement that occurs. And I'll give you one last word. Let's review them again together. The first one is to... So we've got to repent. From repentance, what do we do? We rebuke, okay? We're serving notice, right? In Jesus' name, that now whatever's encroached in this, in this house is not, is not welcome here any longer. That's rebuke, okay? Number three is? Resist. Now that we are driving out, we're going to create a, an atmosphere, a format of resistance. We're going to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Take a stand of resistance. We're going to be an antihistamine Christian, right? Okay. Then fourthly, we're going to, we're going to reinforce. So where do I need to grow, Okay. What truth do I need in my life where I'm weak right now? Who do I need to get around me so that I can have some reinforcements? I'm not a lone ranger Christian, but I'm living my life in community with other people because I need other people in my world to help me to be strong. And then the fifth word is the word rest. This is important, rest, okay. If you've repented, and if you've rebuked, and if you have resisted, and if you are reinforcing, then what else can you do? You can rest. What I mean by that is this. You can know that as you take these, this stand, that there is no power of darkness that has the capacity to conquer the power of Jesus in your life, okay? That there's a rest, a confidence, an assurance that God's got your back, that God's got you covered, that God is there shielding and protecting you. You can rest in that reality. A lot of people get really, I think we have a lot of different dangers when it comes to talking about spiritual warfare and the invisible world of darkness and light and those kind of things. And I think there are some examples, some extremes that we can go to. Some people just deny that he even is a devil, that he doesn't, doesn't, they never think about it as though there's some kind of war. Other people, I mean, they see demons everywhere, okay? I mean, everything's a demon, okay? So every problem is a demon. Let me tell you, that's not the way it works. The devil is real and there are demons, okay? You got, are you with me here? There are dark forces that exist in our world, okay? But not every problem is one, okay? Maybe every other problem might be, but not every problem, okay? So you've got to balance this out so you don't become weird. Right? We have a lot of weird Christians out there, really, really weird. I see talks like, oh, I see a demon in you. Yeah, really? Yeah. Maybe it's just my glasses. I don't know. What is it, okay? But so, so people can get really, really weirded out by this stuff. And it's not meant to ever be weird, okay? We're not trying to create weird Christians, okay? That, that's the other church, okay? That's not this church, okay? We want you to be solid and understanding of spiritual battle, but we don't want you to be weird. We don't want you walking around fearing the devil, okay? Because you don't have to fear the devil if you're walking in Jesus, okay? You don't, okay? You, don't have, to, you have to be wise, okay? You have to be vigilant. You have to be aware that he has strategies, but you shouldn't live in fear. Jesus wants you to live in rest, amen? Rest, rest. Because I'll give you a little example of this. Even going back to the time when Lucifer was in heaven with, with God, 
and he rebelled against God and that's how Lucifer ends up becoming Satan he's cast out of heaven theologically he was cast out of heaven and the Bible says that one third of the angels were cast out of heaven with him right okay many of you know that that biblical principle and truth but let me ask you the question if one third of the angels and they became demon spirits okay on the earth if one third of the angels were cast out how many thirds were left two okay so for every demon there are at least two angels okay isn't that great to know okay I'm telling you there's there are more than two angels for every demon right so you've got to understand that we're on the winning side here amen okay we're on the winning side and so if you'll do these if you will repent that's when you find that you're going the wrong way and by the way all of us go the wrong way sometimes right okay anybody human here today okay we're all going the wrong way at times so okay just wake up so oh I'm going the wrong way Whoa, I need to repent let's go the right way that's all it is okay just turn it around and say let's get back on the right track here that's all repentance is now that I've repented I'm saying okay I'm going to take a stand and you know those spiritual mice that I've allowed in when I was going the wrong way I'm going to take a stand in Jesus we're resisting the, we're re- rebuking these things serving notice on them and now as we're driving these forces out of our lives we're now going to take a stand of resistance we're going to reinforce our lives so that we're stronger we're getting the right people around us now we're just going to rest in Jesus resting Take a look, if you will, with me at Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. This is the last verse for our message this weekend. It talks about what Jesus did. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them. Read the rest with me. Triumphing over them by the cross. It is speaking of the forces of darkness. And the Bible says that through the cross and through the resurrection, Jesus disarmed the powers and the authorities. He made a public spectacle of them. He is not going to triumph. He has already triumphed over them by the cross. And when we're in him, we are also victors. We are also triumphant because of Jesus' victory. Amen? So what I want to encourage you to do this weekend is I want you to go home and do some housekeeping, all right? You ready for that? Okay. For some of you, it might actually be physical, okay? <laughs> okay, it's like, go through your closets. Some of you got clothes from 10 years ago you need to get rid of, okay? You know, you got stuff that's been around. You know, get rid of it. Sometimes it's just good. That's a, sometimes the actual physical thing helps you spiritually, right? Just to go through that old stuff and clean it out. Just do some good cleaning, in your, in your house, get rid of some stuff. And as you're doing it, as you're throwing that old stuff out, throw the old devils out too in Jesus' name. Amen, okay? So you know what? I, I've been going the wrong way for a while and these attitudes and these thoughts, but you know what? I'm turning toward God now. I, God's got my attention. I'm turning toward Him. I'm gonna, I'm gonna evict these things that have been around my, my, my family, my house for a while. I'm gonna, I'm gonna resist going forward. God's gonna help me to be reinforced by growing in Him and getting the right people in my life that I'm just going to rest in the fact that God has got his hand on my house. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We're so grateful today for the opportunity that we've had to study together. I pray you'll take this message. I pray that all of us would just uh, do some spiritual house cleaning. Lord, we ask you to help us to just uh, be sensitive to those things you're speaking to us and help us to live it out in a practical way. We pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. 
Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that'll help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to church-redeemer.org slash a new you. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.